Our guest this week is Todd Schlosser, an all-mountain ripper who grew up around Seattle. He's also the bass player and the lead singer in the band Model Snake, who you hear behind me this week. I met with him at his jam space, which is in a building that's been a bunch of rehearsal spaces since the 80s. So it's very probable that bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden rehearsed in there at some point. Well, the first snowboard I ever rode was uh, a rental, probably up at Mount Baker, a black snow, and then a GNU. I checked out the first snowboard I ever owned um, was a Sims half pipe. Sick. And the white one, I think, the first year they made it. Yeah, I was instantly hooked. Well, not instantly, no. It probably took like four trips. I thought it was, I was a skater, and I thought it was going to be more like rolling. Um, sliding on snow was not like rolling on pavement. And so it was like frustrating at first, just yeah. like everybody's always frustrated the first time they ride. There were times um, when, uh, well, I think the first day that I snowboarded, I was hiking around a little bit before we even rode the a chairlift for sure. Um, so you grew up around here? You... I did, yeah. South Seattle, um, kind of uh, just towards the airport, just west of the airport in a town or a city called Normandy Park. I think the Mac Dog movies might might have been some of the first stuff that people saw. Actually, well, back then when um, I hooked up with uh, Mike McIntyre, Mac Dog, first um, mm-hmm. through Kurt Heine, actually. Cool. Um, but at the time he was working with Hatchets. Then it was just kind of like um, go hang out and shoot with uh, Hatchets and Tahoe and. Kind of, yeah, things were sort of happening fast and changing quickly, obviously, back then, too. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. Definitely a cool time. How, when did you get on Mervin? I got the first Mervin snowboard from Paul Farrell at West Beach Classic in uh, Whistler. Whistler. Yeah, probably, I mean, that had to be around 91-ish. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Paul was the team manager and also Rips. Yeah. I remember, I think... The- and the world was really small for snowboarding at that time, so it was really cool because everybody was, I mean, from around the Northwest, like, knew each other and had a great time snowboarding. And so at the time when I got handed my first board because my board got stolen. I had a LibTech. I had a, uh, I think it was a Matt Cummins or uh, Emma Peel. I can't remember which one it was, but my friend Dave, who snowboarded for 35th Avenue, which I also did with the local skate shop. He worked at Mervyn as a board finisher. Dave just shredded and they saw his talent. He was such a good skater and I hung out in Auburn where he grew up with uh, Jamie Jamie was on the team before us, for sure. I followed Jamie down Gunners Canyon, and he was spinning, and just with such good style and power. Nobody following him, no like cameras on him, nothing, just for fun. Like He was that good, that one. He was just having fun. Oh, yeah. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people He's don't... I mean, I don't know. I guess people... A lot of people like to ride fast, mm-hmm. but... Back in the day, I guess that was kind of like a Northwest thing. Baker was a, I think anybody that ends up going to Baker, no matter where you live in the in the Northwest, 
you realize pretty quickly how incredible of a place it is, and you're definitely drawn back there. Um, but so I grew up closer to here, yeah. um, and it was just much faster because is pretty much as soon as I got my license, when I turned 16, I was driving up to snowboard as much as I could. Still going to school, high school, and, you know, going up at nights up here at Snow, Snoqualmie Pass. And so that was kind of like my home base is with Snoqualmie Pass. And then Alpenthal is amazing. That came kind of a little bit later, too, because I was still like weekend warrior going up at nights, shredding around in the lights. But once you find out about how incredible the and steep Alpenthal is, then it sort of opened up a whole other world of mountain riding here and up to Mount Baker yeah, and all over, yeah, really. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's just kind of, it's really easy to get around when you are based right here. Like, were you still in high school when you were on the payroll at Mervyn? Or was that well, that right was after? probably two years after high school. Like, right before I was 21, I think I probably started getting salary or get, getting paid. I do remember you were on fire after TV3. Got out of high school and started snowboarding a bunch and then got started getting flowed stuff from Mervyn. Mm-hmm. Um, had, then just had more and more opportunities to travel. Yeah, and... you didn't do the contest scene? Um, didn't do too many contests. I did a little bit of contests, um, did some really great fun contests, but, um, pretty soon after I was getting flowed boards, they were getting media requests and Mac dog wanted to film more. So it's just kind of like, well, let's give Todd a travel budget. That happened pretty quickly. The pro model was really cool. I was helping Mervyn like kind of design some GNU boards. You know, they wanted to do the model, which was amazing. And it was like three years. Who did you work with on the graphics? Well, the first one, I worked with Kelly Talbot. Well, I kind of had this vision and um, like designed a bunch of shapes to make look like it was space. Yeah. It was the galactic power cap. I remember And that. she had done yeah. some paintings to make it look like it was like the exterior of the Millennium Falcon or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah so that was good. really cool working with her. And Aaron Kane did a board for my the second year I had a model. Um, he's a tattoo artist from San Francisco and Sweet. a snowboarder and a super badass individual. And then Kelly also did my third year's model on Gnu. Like painted it. My cat. Philo kind of had this cat looking figure making the G and the N and the U. And uh, that's gotta be yeah. so fun to design your own board. Like, did you get to spec it out and everything and be like, okay, I want it to be this length and here's the widths and all that stuff? For the most part, yes. Yeah. I mean, at first, definitely. And then, like, I think that they wanted to keep it a certain size for, you know, demographic or whatever. So, and I think I was kind of doing bigger mountain stuff as, you know, as I progressed as a snowboarder, I was doing bigger stuff and wanted a bigger board. But the cool thing with Mervin is they'd always just be all, well, we'll make you, what do you want? So, you know, get a little bit bigger board or try some different stuff out and figure out what you want to do for next year. And it was pretty That's cool. Tough. They still do things uh, similarly, too. Um, So the transition to bigger mountain stuff, do you think that growing up in the Northwest helped you when you were... You did some Alaska trips? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that uh, the terrain around here definitely helps you with that. Um, But everything's really short vertical here. So we'll we'll get spots that are nice and steep, but you don't have, like, Alaska sustained 
you know, a thousand meters uh, vertical like you do in Alaska. Was it daunting? Were there days where you woke up where you're just like, oh my God? Uh, It wasn't daunting. It was eye-opening and I was just fortunate enough to spend a few weeks in Valdez that just... uh, changed everything for me opened up a whole new world and it was so amazing that it wasn't as scary as you'd think you know i mean they just you'll never have as fast as many and as deep of turns and um it's just so incredible i mean it's very humbling to be there for sure you can uh get yourself into spots and people push it more and more all the time up there. I was with a good group. Uh, I was with H2O and Dean Cummins in Valdez. And so you had good guides. Um, had, yeah, and just like sick pilot. Yeah. And it was certainly very humbling. <laughs> if you're with like T. Rice, yeah. you better have your nuts on. Well, did you ride with those guys too, like with the with the Craigs and the Mikes and Tex and those guys? Or? Yeah. So obviously Mike and like Tex and Jeff Fulton and those guys that spent way more time than I did up at Baker, but I got a chance to go on a lot of great trips with Standard Films uh, too, with Tex mm-hmm. and uh, Mike. I just always looked up to and then saw him on the mountains. I, he probably wouldn't ever remember the first, like, <laughs> six times he met me. Because, sure, sure. you know, I'd always see him on the hill. But uh, yeah, those guys are badass and have shown me spots and scared me. They kind of kept each other on their toes at all times. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of ribbing going on with and making fun of each other and all that stuff. <laughs> but I rode with Rankwit last year at Baker. I could not believe how fast he rode, how confidently he rode. Yeah, Northwest, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. fast. So Mike is fast. fast, right? So fast, yeah. <laughs> and and style it. Um, so you were the generation behind the MBHC. Did you guys, did you have your own crew kind of based on that? Because there was a lot of crews back then. Yeah, um, my crew sort of changed after I became mo- more mobile. You know, I guess before I was traveling all the time, my crew was kind of like the high school cats that I yeah. snowboarded with. And dudes from like Snoqualmie Pass uh, at Hayak and... Um, Aloha snowboards, like, way back in the day. So that was way long time ago. Yeah. And that was, like, the first crew after I kind of got on Mervin. Traveling all the time, the crew kind of was, like, wherever <laughs> wherever yeah. you were. Yeah. And that was kind of pretty badass. But um, always thought that the, you know, had a lot of respect for the people that, that kind of laid the groundwork at Baker. You know, totally. those are the forefathers of... The whole sport, everything, really. yeah. yeah really. Uh, for for me, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. biased, of course. Did you leave Mervin? Did Mervin kind of just fizzle out? So I rode for Mervin for a while, and then um, they just didn't kind of renew my contract, and yeah. I got on with uh, Ingmar Bachman and Alliance yeah. Snowboards, and that was an incredible crew. And I look back at the riders that they had on that team, and I was like, wow. Such amazing riders. Still, those guys are are shredding. And uh, I think they're still doing a lion. 
What was it like going from such an American company to a European company? Did you notice differences in the, like in the meetings or in the way that they ran the company? Or? So they had uh, like office in Oregon, and they had some great people working for them, and it didn't seem like a European company. The only thing that was like kind of like European was the design. Yeah, and well, Ingmar was driving a lot of that, and it was cool. Um, I thought. Uh, he did a great job with that. And I agree, yeah. That was like, what, Kale Stevens yep. was on the team? Oh, Kale is just badass. He's still shredding. Totally. And I haven't seen him for a super long time. But. Yeah, I see him every time. Like, you always look like you were happy, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Would have been a fun guy to ride with in a crew, for sure. <laughs> yeah, still trying to be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I'm like the snowboard motivator. Yeah, perfect. Like guys, we gotta Come on, go. We gotta go. Yeah, that's dope. How often do you snowboard now with with two kids? I guess it's harder to go. It's it's well, that's helping me kind of get them on the mountain. Is yeah. getting me on the mountain more. Um, yeah. But I always take my own time. <laughs> for myself so no i'm getting up the mountain more like extra days you know getting the kids riding but i've been up to uh i had a little trip to Baldface. it was just amazing opening day at baker just got an amazing day at alpenthal and a bunch of days just rooping around here with the kids um at Hayek or Central, or I mean East. Yeah. They call it Summit East now. It used to be called Hayek. I used to see Ranquit there all the time. Shredding Hayek. Place is cool. The site of the Holy Oli, which doesn't happen there anymore. So, yeah, get some good days in. Hoping to get a bunch more. Want to get back up to Canada. Well, I told somebody I was going to go visit him, Alan Clark. So. Todd raced the Baker Bank slalom last Saturday and narrowly missed qualifying for the finals. He finished 31st right behind Jamie Lynn. He wasn't sure if he would get a spot when we recorded this interview. That thing's awesome. Do you compete in that? Yeah, oh, I try. I mean, I want to. Yeah. It's hard to get a spot. It's hard to get in. Um, I'm actually playing music at the barbecue this year. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the salmon bake, bake salmon. Yeah. That's Salmon bake. So, yeah, talk about your band. Well, a line was kind of still going. Um, basically, I took a job, like a full-time design job. Um, I was a graphic artist, uh, kind of went to a vocational high school, and right out of high school, got a job doing uh, ad design for a newspaper. So that was, I graduated in 91. I worked for the newspaper for almost two years and quit because I became a pro snowboarder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I started snowboarding a bunch and I was going to school. Uh, oh, so yeah, um, I just went back to design after yeah. um, I had a job opportunity. It was like 2003. I think relationships get hard when you're traveling all the time too. Totally. And I think after snowboarding for and traveling for 10 years, I was like kind of ready to... Well, I'd also... I'd turn 30. Uh, let's face it. 30, you can still be doing it if you if you fit into that niche that you're that a 30 year old can fit in yeah you're not going to be doing necessarily x games sure but maybe maybe (laughs) it's a tough thing isn't it because 30 really kicks your ass you want to be financially stable you want to be you know you've got all these ideas of what you're going to be like by the time you're 30 yeah i don't know 29 and then you start to panic that's what happened for me i really feel like for me 
That was like 10 years of traveling went by so fast that I was just like, I never really felt 30. Right, right. No, that makes total sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> reverse aged me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then but, uh, so, yeah, but um, I s- sounded 30, or, <laughs> I mean, the, the age, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. number, yeah. 30. Yeah, and sometimes it's just time to move on and do other things. I mean, I really wish I could have just traveled and snowboarded forever. And now, I just look back, and not that I took anything for granted, but... I, I, any excuse or any opportunity I have to get to the mountains, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm working my plan back to the mountains <laughs> because like, that's so dumb. You know, the city's great, but I'm going to end up in the mountains. <laughs> 2003, I was working for a record label doing design stuff. Like a few years after that, um, Blue Montgomery. He moved to um, Seattle from Salt Lake City, Utah, and moved in with uh, my wife and I, Joanne, in uh, West Seattle, and started working for K2. Then he um, started Capita um, shortly after, um, and I've been riding their boards ever since. He's uh, got an incredible thing going. I don't know if you've seen any of the mothership stuff, but it's just I can't believe it. Absolutely amazing what he's yeah. done. So he and we just went to uh, Baldface together. Then he so he was on the trip, the VST trip, and uh, the guy just amazes me. We had such a fun time riding. He had the craziest boards. The catamaran, the thing rides so amazing, but it's got like this big, huge slit down the nose and the tail. So it looks like two like skis sticking out of the powder, but. Um, he is just like doing such a great thing for snowboarding and this board's ride so great. I'm proud of Blue. And uh, in recent years, I've been getting some uh, getting some stuff from uh, Adidas and I've always been a fan. I've been skating my biznits. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is probably the 15th pair of these things that are like <laughs> my feet perfect. I get these things from 35th Avenue, the, the, the skate shop that I ride for. Yeah, so, yeah, and just, like, got trips planned. Gonna go uh, get to Jackson. So, gonna get back there this year, and, yeah. Do you have favorite places, favorite trips that you think of? I do. Yeah. Uh, Alaska is always a favorite trip. Just Washington is so good, but uh, it's been a while since I've been to Lake Tahoe, and it's been a while since they've had some good winters, but um, it's just... An amazing place to snowboard. I love, I love all around the lake, like North Lake. So hopefully I get it back there this year. It looks like they're getting down tons there. Of snow. Yeah, yeah. It's a it seems to be a good start. Yeah, yeah. It's been a good start. I'm kind of stoked. Here. Yeah, it has. It has. Yeah. It's been a very good start. So, but I think I'm gonna get to Canada a few more times as well. Maybe go to I don't know when the Rattlecat at Red is. But I love Red Mountain. I want to get up there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let's see where the winter takes us. Special thanks to Todd Schlosser and his band, Model Snake. Be sure to check them out on Facebook and like their band, follow their group. It's pretty rad stuff. Now, if you made it all the way to the credits and you're still listening, I have a question for you. I'm thinking of changing the name of F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast to simply the snowboarding podcast 
Hit me up with a message on our Facebook page or at our website, epinradsnowboarding.com, to let me know what your opinion is on this very important matter. <laughs> this episode of the Effin' Rad Snowboarding Podcast was brought to you by BR Productions.